Hello and welcome to the Rockcast. This is the podcast home for our sermons at the Redemption Outreach Center. I'm Pastor Shane and I'm elated that you're here with us today. And I just pray this, that whatever words are said or things that you hear are truly an inspiration, that the Holy Spirit works through the words and the things that you're hearing, that it would inspire you to draw closer to God, to explore your faith, to dig deeper, to build stronger foundations so that ultimately you could become more like Christ and you can be the church that God has called all of us to be. I hope you enjoy the message. Um, Thank you to all the men for the wonderful meal in the movie Friday night. That was some some good eating and um, I don't think I've laughed that hard in a while. That movie was really funny. We got to watch Mom's Night Out. Um, real, Christ, real cool Christian movie geared towards Mother's Day specifically, so I think we all enjoyed ourselves with that. So, why are we here today? Anybody know? <laughs> Erica said me. <laughs> Mother's Day, right? A day to celebrate the moms in our lives. A day to, for moms to celebrate how God's blessed them with children, Right? Um, But I just want to preface this whole message by saying it's not going to be a typical Mother's Day message, if that's all right with you. It's going to deal with a lot of real stuff. So initially, um, in preparing this uh, sermon, there was just one word that kind of stuck out to me. I was reading my Bible, and we'll get to that verse later, but just the idea of let her grieve. Um... And initially, my message was going to be called From Grieving to Rejoicing. And then um, I kind of switched it up a little bit because um, I realized Shane and I are still kind of in that, that in between our grieving and our rejoicing, right? We haven't um, exactly seen our story redeemed yet. Um, and we feel like it's the longest wait of our lives currently. Um, but God is still good. He's still on the throne. Um, so I've changed up my message slightly, and it's going to be in between grieving and rejoicing. So as a woman who knows what it's like to be a daughter who has lost her mother and a mother who has lost a child, I realize that today can be a very painful day for many of us here, and not something I would wish anyone to go through, for sure. It's hard getting through your adult life without your mom um, in your life, and then um, on top of that, losing a child as well. So I can empathize with those of you who may be feeling a little bit sad today. Uh, Just because you see me standing up here today, smile on my face, does not mean that I don't still feel these same feelings of grief and all that, same feelings that you all do, um, depending on the day. And just because I now have the title of pastor's wife, that does not automatically grant me the some superhuman ability to make it through any trial without hardship, or that I don't sometimes struggle with doubt. I'm just like you. So I want you to hear me when I say this. Ministers go through some hard things too. And so we, we need your love and support just as much as the next person. We don't, we don't need your gossip. We don't, don't need you um, disguising gossip as a prayer request. We just need your love and support and your prayers, I think, most of all. Um, so recently, I can't remember if I read it in a book or if I heard it on a video. Um, it's a real powerful thing that I feel applies to me that it's easier to share your story once it becomes a scar and not when it's still an open wound, right? Share your story once it becomes a scar and not when it's still an open wound. 
And this kind of goes to show that how different men and women are because Shane was kind of able to share his perspective a little bit very early on, um, right after we lost our son. Uh, but it's taken me, you know, close to three years to be able to get up here and, and talk about stuff like this. So like I said earlier, we're going to get real, real with some stuff. We're going to get raw about just things that I've been dealing with the last few years. But I believe that being real about our struggles is one less thing the enemy can use against us. So as real as I'm going to be, though, I also want to bring encouragement because that's also important. I don't want you to leave here feeling like there's no hope. Um, even though we're still in our wait, we're still in the in-between, I want you to leave with hope and encouragement. i give myself a drink. So, as you probably can imagine, I was really struggling with the content of this message because I didn't want to come off as uh, pessimistic or negative in any way. Um, but thankfully, several things in the last couple of weeks have confirmed to me that this was what I was supposed to share. The first thing being the, um, is the scripture that I found, which we'll talk about later, in which I wrote in the margins of my Bible, Let Her Grieve. Um, but first, um, I know we're way past Easter, but I was inspired by a recent message by Pastor Stephen Furtick. Um, it was his Easter Sunday message, and it was titled, Life After the Letdown. And he talked about how you can't talk about the joy of Easter Sunday without acknowledging the pain of Good Friday. You think about what happened in the Saturday in between, right? You know, was, you know, we know by reading our Bible, you know, what happens. But the disciples, they were probably lost, confused. They were all scattered. Um, the Messiah, you know, the person they thought was going to save the world just had died the day before. They're like, what do we do? Um, and it wasn't until, obviously, Sunday morning that, they, you know, everything became clear. So um, many of you, I think, just looking around, I think most of you here know our story a little bit. I'll just give a condensed version for maybe some of you who are new. So, um, let's see, it was 23, 2013 um, was the first time Shane and I were able to get pregnant. We were married in 2009. So that shows that we had struggled with several years of infertility between then and then. Um, and then, so that was around, we found out about May, June of that year, and then two months later, my mom passed away from cancer. And so I went through that whole pregnancy just kind of in real deep grief, surprised I made it through. Um, Levi was born that following February, and he's, he was supposed to be born March 10th, 2014, but he came several weeks earlier. So he was born on February 6th. And um, so he's, he's just my, um, my reason to just keep going. And uh, obviously, he's the, the visible manifestation of there's life after death. So, um, and then we struggled with another four-ish years with infertility again. Um, it's called secondary infertility. I've always just dealt with infertility in between all my pregnancies. So, um, Another four years, we found out we were pregnant again in December of 2018, and then June of that following year, um, it was June 26th, no, June 25th, um, I noticed he wasn't moving around in my stomach very much, went to the hospital where they told us there was no longer a heartbeat, and so my, our baby boy Judah was born asleep June 26th, June 26th, 2019, and so, like I said, it's, we're going on three years later, and uh, it's still very hard still kind of grieving that loss and 
trying to figure out, you know, all the whys and things like that. But um, we feel like there's hope on the horizon that our story is going to be redeemed someday. So, um, so as you can imagine, just the last several years have been filled with shame, anger, disappointment, depression, all of the above. And I had all these questions of why, right? So I think it's natural to try and figure out reasons why something bad happens to you, especially when you're a believer, I think, right? Um, so first of all, we're going to turn to our first scripture. It's John chapter 9. So if you would all turn there with me. John chapter 9. And once you're there, you feel free to stand. It's a real short passage of scripture. Get another drink. It says, we're going to start verse 1 and go to verse 3. It says, as he was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that, the, so that God's works might be displayed in him. All right. So you guys are free to sit down. Thank you very much. Um, like I said, we had all these natural questions of why, you know, why did this happen to us? Um, and just this verse kind of displays this, this almost cause and effect Christianity, I like to call it, like, sin causes bad things to happen, living for Jesus causes a good thing to happen. You know, in some cases it does, but it can really mess up your theology if, if, living, if you're living for Jesus and bad things still happen to you, right? And we have these Christians saying, like, um, you know, sin is going to destroy your life, and that's true. We all know that's true. We say things like, you know, leave, live for Jesus and he'll never let you down. We hear it in songs. Um, there's a Maverick City music song. I'm not going to sing it, but <laughs> um, the words are, I put my trust in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. Then we know the next line. He'll never let me down, right? But if I'm being honest, can we just admit that sometimes God does let us down and before you, let me just explain what I mean by this. He's not the source of the letdown, but it's more in our expectations of what he th we think he should or shouldn't be doing in our lives, right? That's where the disappointment and the letdown comes, right? Um, so next scripture I want you to turn with me to is John chapter 5. Just a couple scriptures back. John chapter 5. We're going to read starting verse 1 and go to verse 9. <clears throat> it says, After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man who was there who had been disabled for 38 years... When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him, 
pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. And we'll add that last little right before verse 10. It says, now that day was the Sabbath. So if you look at this story, it says, within these lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. So Jesus had to pass over all these other sick people to get to this one man, right? And all these people may have been asking, why? Why did he pass over me? I'm like, didn't you see I was sitting here before he got to this man? Because I'm sure a lot of them witnessed the miracle right before their eyes. He, they might have been like, why did he pass right over me, seeing I too was sick or lame? And, um, and so that's where I think a lot of us Christians have our why questions. My personal why questions are these ones. Why didn't God come through when I prayed that my mom would be healed of cancer? Why didn't God come swoop in and save the day when I cried out to him at the hospital to not take our baby? Why didn't God come through when I was laying on the floor of my living room crying out to him to take diabetes away from me? As if God was some superhero, genie, or magician that I wanted to perform a trick or get me out of something that I may have gotten myself into. And when I got, prayed for God to heal me of my infertility, um, I just wanted answers. I was like, God, I just want answers. After a couple of years of not doing any doctor's appointments because they were too triggering for me, I finally worked up the courage, made an appointment with a new OBGYN, and I was excited. I was like, I'm, I've got this. <laughs> and um, got there. I was like, prayed again, God, I just want answers for this infertility issue I'm having. And I didn't like the answer I got because he's like, girl, you got to get your diabetes under control. <laughs> And I was like, well, that's not fair. Like, you know, this isn't, I didn't ask for this. Um, I didn't do anything to deserve this. But nonetheless, that was my answer. Um, so I've been working on it, thankfully, in the last couple years or months. As you all can see, I've lost a lot of weight recently. That's not me on a diet. That's just that's what diabetes does to you. But anyways, then the enemy comes in. He, he tries to and give you reasons, as if you didn't already have, you know, questions in your own mind. He's, it's like, is it because I've been reading the wrong translation of the Bible? Do I go to the wrong type of church? Is it because I forgot to pray over my food that one day? Is it because I'm a woman who wears makeup and cuts my hair and wears pants? So on and so forth. So, always, we always need to be sure as Christians that, you know, ask God, search my heart, know me. You know, David prayed in the Psalms. And reveal things um, and repent if there's any unknown sin in us, right? That's our first thing we do. But once you've been forgiven and you have a clear conscience of all that, you can now say this with confidence. It was not that I sinned or my parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in me. I want you guys to remember that. Write, down, write it down if you have to. It was not that I sinned or my parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in me. And then you can tell Satan where he can go because... He's the, he's the voice that condemns. Amen. Amen. So, as, and as for, uh, fortunate as this is, and as hard of a pill as this is to swallow, I needed to realize that God doesn't have any obligation to save me from those situations any more than he had an obligation to save Paul from shipwreck, sickness, beatings, and persecution, right? His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. If we could figure out and understand how God operates, then he wouldn't be God, right? If you could figure him out, he wouldn't be God because he sees the bigger picture. He never promised a life without hardship, just that he would be with us in the midst of it. 
and that there is something so much better up ahead for those who believe in him. So, how can we help a grieving person on a day like Mother's Day? I can tell you how to not help them. Um, Turn to Proverbs chapter 25. And this is that scripture I had been talking about earlier. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 20. Um, I don't know how I stumbled across this scripture, but um, I flipped to it one day, and I noticed I had wrote in the margins. Right here, I'll show you guys. It says, let her grieve, pointing to this particular scripture. And so that's kind of the basis for where this message all began. So Proverbs chapter 25, verse 20, it says... Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Another translation says, like one who takes away a garment on a cold day or like vinegar poured on a wound is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. And then a third translation says this, singing light songs to the heavy hearted is like pouring salt on their wounds. So I wrote, let her grieve, right? So we have these sometimes packaged Christian statements that, um, that we tend to say to people who are sad or in grief. They don't necessarily help when we're feeling like God is so far away, and they can sometimes even be more hurtful than helpful. And some of them aren't even biblically correct, so always just be careful with what we say. Here are the, some of the ones that I've heard over the last several years. I know exactly what you're going through or how you feel. At least you still have your older son, and many other at least statements I like to call them. Uh, Be thankful, life could be a lot worse. God won't give you more than you can handle. God gets more glory out of you being sick or going through a trial. God must have needed another angel in heaven. There must have been something wrong with your baby, and God was just sparing you from that. In this last one, God must have something so much better in store for you. And I think to myself, you know, like, better than, you know, my my baby boy? Um, But we as Christians, we get to grieve with hope, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4.13. And I just want to speak some, some words into you, encouragement. This was another confirmation that I was supposed to share this message with you. I, I was just scrolling through Instagram one day, and this, someone had actually shared this, this post, and it's by Rich Velotis. And it says, the same Bible that tells us to rejoice always has a whole book called Lamentations. We don't have to choose one from the other. Good, healthy Christian faith is non-dualistic, able to hold multiple tensions together. It is a tra- tragedy of faith that many have been taught that grief Sadness and depression is incompatible with our worship of God. Untold pain, often hidden to others, has been stored in our bodies. Yet, for the Christian, this need not be the, rea- the reality. God doesn't command us to be robots, neatly compartmentalizing our difficult emotions in the name of faith. The Bible does not ask us to be more spiritual than God. Actually, it reveals a God who is far more human than we are known to be. We are called to enter the fullness of the human story, which includes the honest confession of our grief. What does this have to do with joy? Everything. 
to cut, out, to cut out grief from our lives is to cut out joy as well. We can't dissociate from one part of our interior world without compromising everything else. It's all connected. The invitation then, especially for the Christian, is to integrate it all. So we see that we can hold grief and joy, you know, in tension of one another. We don't have to throw away our grief because someone's telling us to be joyful, right? And, you know, vice versa. Um, here's some songs I couldn't sing in the middle of my grief. And I, like I said, I'm just being real today. Just being real about my story. Um, first song is King of My Heart. You know, the chorus says, you are good, you are good, just over and over and over. I remember we were at a young adults conference, and that was one of the songs. This was like right like a month or two after we had lost Judah. And one of the songs was King of My Heart. And I was, you know, I was singing the verse, and then it got to the chorus, and I'm like, I just like shut my mouth. I couldn't, I just couldn't see the goodness of God in my situation. Another song was Waymaker. So you, you heard that we lost our son in 2019. Well, guess what the top song of 2019 was? Waymaker. Um, and so Amy actually got me this journal to write in. And, you know, I've used that from everything to my prayers, to my, my anger, lashings out at God, to everything in between. And um, I, on January 24th, 2020, I wrote these words in my journal. More out of anger and accus- accusing God up more than anything, I wrote. Is he still the way-making, miracle-working, promise-keeping God, even when things don't work out like you thought they would? I'll read that again. Is he still the way-making, miracle-working, promise-keeping God, even when things don't work out like you thought they would? So what started out as my personal question out of anger toward God turned out to be more of a thought-provoking question that I think we need to ask ourselves. Think about it. Um, The worship team wants to come up and play a little bit, a little background music, if you would. Let's check the time here. I think we're still doing pretty good. And as they get ready, um, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go on a little trip to the past. So let's go back to June 2019. I already told you kind of what happened. I just switched up on him. I told him just like be flexible. The Holy Spirit told me something else. (laughs) Um, So June 26th of 2019, that was a Friday that year. So we found out on the Thursday before June 25th that our son no longer had a heartbeat, stayed the night at the hospital. June 26th, um, sometime in the afternoon, I delivered him in the hospital. Um, We were able to stay another night. Um, They gave us a private room. Um, And so June 27th, the hardest day of, I think, our lives together since being married, we had to leave our baby boy behind at the hospital, go back home empty-handed, and tell our son that his baby brother was in heaven. And um, so June 28th was a Sunday. And I think a lot of you remember we were here that day. We could have stayed home that day, um, but it's almost like we felt like we couldn't stay in the house any longer. Um, so we kind of showed up at church mainly to get around community and just do what we knew to do at the time. 
Um, and I think also, too, when you work in ministry, you feel like you have obligations sometimes that, that trump your emotions. Um, so just being in leadership, you can feel kind of like responsible, like you need to you need to go, you need to serve. Like that's, that's just what you do. So honestly, there's just a lot of emotions and heaviness that day. And um, so we were just kind of going through the motions, trying to get through our worship set without breaking down. And as we finished up the last song, Pastor Richard came up and he's like, can you guys play Raise a Hallelujah? And, um, and that was hard because, you know, we were just like, oh, thank God it's the last song. We can go sit down now. And Shane at that point hadn't even been leading a song. It was all Carla. And that's a song that Shane leads. And so, you know, just being the obedient servant that he is, he's like, yeah, we'll do it. And so, um, and so I just remember that moment being so powerful for me, definite core memory day for me um, because I feel like we played that thing like we were stomping on the devil right and kind of what I mentioned earlier about worship as a weapon I kind of feel like the enemy lost that day um, and you know we've had several times since then where we felt broken again and it's just life that just happens um, and I talked about earlier about just the anger and disappointment and shame and depression that I've been feeling where do we direct all that? Well, I think a lot of us direct it at God, right? He's the easy one to blame, right? I know that was me. I'm like, if I'm going to blame anyone, I'm going to blame God because, you know, he's all powerful. He can do whatever. He didn't come in and save me like Superman. But instead of directing all of that anger, shame, disappointment at God, we're supposed to turn it into worship and aim it at the enemy, right? So I guess the last thing I want to say, is there anyone who is currently struggling to worship. Maybe you feel like you're in that in-between, like Shane and I feel. You, you know, you've, you've gotten past your grief, but you're not quite to that rejoicing port, point, right? Um, the weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You haven't reached that morning time yet. You feel like the, the night is still dark, right? If, you're strugg- if you were struggling to raise your hands in worship today, or sing certain songs because you feel like they don't apply to you, I need you up here because I want to pray for you. Thanks so much for listening today. I just wanted to put in a quick plug here. Please connect with us. So you can find us on Facebook at The ROC Ministry. Again, just connect with us so that we can stay in touch. And please like, subscribe, share with others if you feel blessed so that we can continue sharing these sermons. God bless.